0: as much as you're creating this legacy for people it's not about what you leave them it's how you leave them hey it's gp hi it's excel
1: and you're listening to terry shower on the real estate investors club podcast Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We have with us today, David Eadie, who is an author and a podcaster, and his specialities is wills. So without uh, giving away any of the magic, David, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you came to do it?
0: Wow. Okay. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Axel. Thanks for having me on the show. I am an author, as you said, but I'm by day, uh, I am a certified executor advisor I've been in the financial planning industry for over 35 years and how I ended up talking to you uh, nice people is based off of my book Executor Help How to settle an estate pick an executor and avoid family fights and it's an area where when we're talking about real estate investors people in general they don't want to talk about the the areas of death estate planning because it's not a sexy topic spoiler alert, it's going to happen to all of us. And if you don't have everything in place when it comes to, especially your real estate holdings, you haven't got that in place and you haven't organized your executor, you haven't had the conversations with your family, you're actually putting them in peril. You're leaving them to be disorganized and you're going to leave them in chaos. So just
1: tell me, like, how did you come to do this? I mean, it seems like a very precise kind of a profession that I didn't really even know even existed. So how did you end up there?
0: Well, the the book and the idea for it came about after my seven years, 10 court appearances and $50,000 in lawyer's fees that I spent to settle my parents' estate and they had a will. And during that time, I wrote the book during uh, COVID. But before that, during those seven years, Every time I would talk about what I was going through, I'd hear about an executor was having problems. You know, they they had a cottage or there were were rental properties or I'd hear about a family that had broken up and they weren't talking anymore for the very reason of there was no conversations about the estate. And I didn't want anybody else to go through what I went through. So I wrote the book. Again, it's not a, a subject that people are comfortable with. It's not sexy. I get it. But far too often, especially if you're, you know, be really investing in real estate, you might put either want to avoid talking about the subject. You're going to procrastinate. Say, well, you know, uh, I'm not ready to die yet. I'm going to put that off to later. Or some people have the uh, the view that, well, you know, what? I'm dead. It's not going to be my problem. It's who I'm leaving behind. And those taking those views like I said before, is going to leave your family in peril. It's going to leave them confused. They're going to leave, they're going to be disorganized. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an area that's important, especially, you know, we're talking about, you know, real estate and people having all those doors or they might have investment properties or they might even just have a cottage. Families have broken up because they haven't had, uh, there's probably no will in place or the executor's not prepared. Or the family isn't prepared and haven't had any conversations.
2: Yeah. And as you just said, like, this is a real estate show most of the people listening are building a portfolio of properties and it's true that it is not sexy to have these conversations with your spouse with your children and what you really want to talk about is you know new acquisitions and optimization and what we're going to do in the future but not prepare for in case something happens if i die or if i'm incapacitated how are decisions going to be made how is the estate going to be able to function and continue even though i was responsible for paying the bills and yeah. so With your expertise, what you've seen over time, what are some small steps that people can start taking today to remedy the situation that they're in of having no will?
0: Well, I would preface it. What's happened is because anywhere between, there's been statistics, anywhere between 55 to 60% of Canadians don't have an estate plan or a will. And, you know, intensive care is no place to find out that there's no will in place. And I can assure you, you can't have a meaningful conversation with somebody when they're on a respirator. So you need to figure out, okay, what do I have to do to make sure that my not only am I protecting my my investment, but also I'm protecting my family. So the first thing is is to make sure that you sit down with a professional. In the book, I, I say that you need at least three professionals to help you get organized. You need to have uh, an accountant. Because you know, especially within uh, investment properties, there's going to be some capital gains that probably will be you know have to be endured by the estate or the family. Maybe that's not your wish. Maybe that you want the investments to continue on, but you haven't taken the, the, the steps so that if something was to happen, that the, the buildings don't have to be sold in distress so that they cover the taxes. So the first thing is to sit down with you know have an accountant, have a, a lawyer so that you have the will properly written up. And, you know, In Quebec here, maybe it's better to have a, a notary so that you save on the uh, probate. But again, it's to have the conversations and start to get the, the ball rolling in terms of not waiting until something happens that, oh my goodness, I should have done something or someone realizes we should have done something before. So I would start with make sure that you have a will And then also have a conversation about who would you choose to have as your executor. Now you have to understand when you're going to have somebody as an executor, you're asking them to take on a pretty big, the biggest favor that you could ever give, ask them to do because you're asking them to probably give up over a hundred hours of their time and spend anywhere between 18 to 24 months of their, of their life to settle that estate. So actually yesterday I was having a conversation with an individual and she's in the middle of settling her, mom's estate. Now, there wasn't any real estate involved. Actually, there was was a principal residence. But the stress that she was going through as the executor and her mom didn't really have a conversation with her, she talked about how she just broke down and sat down on the side of the road and started to cry because it just became overwhelming of all the things that she had to do. But she didn't have the conversation with her mother in terms of what she wanted to have done. She knew that the principal residence would be transferred. It was between her and her brother, but she never had those conversations. In my case, I ended up with that, you know, seven years in in court, but my parents never had the conversation with our, the three siblings, and that's why we ended up in court. You would figure someone who's been in the industry over 35 years, it should be a no-brainer. But because, again, the the, the topic of death, while my parents were having the will done, I wasn't in the room with them while it was done. So I wasn't there to help them. What I usually do with clients is be in the room, be a facilitator between them and the and the lawyer. But I couldn't fathom talking about the death of my parents. So I get it, but they are difficult conversations and you have to have them. And you have to keep moving forward to make sure that you're doing the, the probably the biggest gift of love that you can leave to your family is to have an organized estate. You wanna leave a legacy, not a legacy and a mess.
1: Mm-hmm. But so, just tell me because, like, I you know I actually went through this a few years ago of understanding this whole process. But so, what like are these different roles, and like, what actually happens if you don't have a will and you have not named an executor? What happens if you die? Well, then,
0: then you're going to be dying intestate. So now you've got the uh, government involved. So yes, you might end up with an executor, but it, it'll take even longer to have the estate settle. Now, say you you die intestate and you've got couple of investment properties there's or you've got you know you know rental income coming in who's collecting those checks who's going to administer if there's a, a leak in the in the roof and you need to have somebody go over there and take care of the building and if it's tied up in court and it's going through the process of you know getting an executor in place you're not putting everything in jeopardy you know who's going to pay the bills are you going to be if you have a mortgage on the building is it going to be uh, put in default all of those things become a domino effect just by not having a will.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, what I mean, what happens, like, if you don't name an executor and you don't have a will, does the government appoint a civil servant or is it a member of your family? Like, what actually happens?
0: It could go either way. It could be a civil servant, could be a member of the family, but then a member of the family is going to have to step up and say that, you know, they're willing to do that. And even if you say, well, you know, the courts are going to get involved, you're going to get the government involved you and I know it's not going to take a week or two. We're, and during that time, we've still got rents coming in. We've still got mortgages to pay. We've got tenant complaints. There's, you know, there's taxes to pay. All of these things at a standstill because nobody can move forward because there are no directions. Nobody knows what the wishes were of the testator, the person who either wrote the will or the person who didn't write the will. Whose estate is, does it belong to? They haven't given any instructions. So now you've got the government as as the partner. And that probably is not what 99% of people who, you know, invest have real estate investments would want to be handling their uh, their affairs, to be involved in their affairs. For sure. And as you said like,
2: so n- now we kind of know if you don't have a will and an executor what happens. Now obviously no one wants to go through the struggle that you just described and r- responsible individuals should get a will and name an executor and prepare for the worst-case scenario. Now Can you share with us maybe like a few examples of, I was going to say, successful transitions? Because I'm sure there are some where it's organized and it doesn't take seven years and five court appearances.
0: So what's the best case scenario when everyone gets along? It's still going to take a while because you've got the government involved. Okay, so the best case scenario is that you have a will. You've had a discussion You've given thoughts to what the tax situation would be on the properties. You have an executor and you've prepped them in terms of if something was to happen, I've got a, a bright red envelope, which has my will. It has, and another important thing that it's coming to life most recently are people, people's digital assets inside, along with my will, I've got all my logins and my passwords for most individuals. Just one email address is probably the, you know, the, the, the logins to the start to over 160 different online identities, you know, social media, Netflix, all of those things there. If you haven't given instruction of where those passwords and logins are, that's another layer of problems that you're going to um, have with the for the executor. So you want to have the will. You want to have it in a brightly colored envelope so that you told the executor, if something was to happen, go in a particular drawer and you're going to find this bright red envelope. When people are traumatized and you've got a death, you don't want someone to be searched around looking for paperwork because you're too traumatized. And so if you made it, have that conversation in advance, let your executor know what the situation is. It's in a bright red envelope inside there. You're going to find all the important papers, the will, all my logins and passwords, the the names and addresses to the accountant, my lawyer, financial advisor, all of those important papers and insurance policies, all of those things are kept in one place and made it easier for them. Now, once you've had that conversation with the executor and they've actually accepted to take on the job, because a lot of times people find out that they're executor from a phone call from a lawyer. And, you know, a lot of times they won't say no even though they have the right to say no because they say they're thinking that it's a, a, a you know a big favor that they're one last favor that they're doing for someone but you want to make them prepared so that it make it easier for them and then you also want to have the conversations with your family members if you're leaving a, you know a particular building if suppose say you have two buildings and you want to leave one building to one child and, an, and the other two to another or whatever, whatever your situation, however you want your estate to be settled and passed on, your legacy, you want to have that conversations with the family. And that's what holds back a lot of people is that they don't want to have the conversation because they're here now and they feel that there's going to be a lot of hurt feelings and people are going to say, well, why can't I have it? At the end of the day, it's your, it's your estate. You can do whatever you want, but it's better to, you know, get those, get it out in the open so so people can understand exactly if something was to happen, this is what's going to happen in terms of the estate and how it's going to be settled. You know, you've, you've named your executor and you hope that they can abide by your wishes and not be a, a pain in the ass to the, the executor. Because that's another thing, you know, it's one thing to be doing the job, but then you also have to deal with beneficiaries who only see, when am I getting my building? When am I getting my cash? Whereas the executor has to still have to pay the taxes, you know, make sure the capital gains and everything's being taken care of. They've got a clearance certificate from the government that everything is, all the debts have been paid, and then it can pass on to the, to the beneficiaries. That's why you want to talk to your beneficiary and let them know, let, the, let them be your executor to let the beneficiaries know, hey, keep them in the loop let them know what's going on it doesn't take much for a beneficiary to want to take a an executor court which is happens far too often that's crazy to hear you're shaking I mean, your head actually like this is like i can't believe this is happening yes it happens no, but all- you're
2: but as you're saying it, I'm imagining the number of occasions and situations where this can very happen. And you're absolutely right. You've lived it up at dozens of times where someone, one of the beneficiaries saying, why is it taking so long? It's been two months. Like, why hasn't it moved forward when really it's still the beginning of the process and the, the executor is doing his or her best to make the case advance. But
0: yeah, it's going at a snail, pale, snail pace. And, and that's because when we're, in our example here, we're using a building. In our case, we're leaving the building to adult child. And we're saying, you know what? They're gonna you know, either sell the building or they're gonna you know, live off the revenue still coming from that building. And you see that as a gift, that's gonna help them. Flip it the other way around, the beneficiary only sees it as a building's owed to me and X amount of dollars should be coming in a month. How come it's not in my bank account yet? Okay, so we've got two different ways. And you've got the executor in the middle, knowing the job they have to do, and they've got to temper the expectations of time so that they can get the building or whatever the residue of the estate that they're, the, the beneficiary is supposed to get. They're just trying to do it the best they can. So it's, that's another part of the executor taking on that responsibility. It's a thankless job, and a lot of times you're going to end up saying, why am I doing this? There's two things. It's a dirty little secret. Nobody wants to talk about what we're talking about here. And the second thing is it's a thankless job that nobody wants to have to be put in the the situation of being an executor. Yeah, very difficult.
1: The other question I have which is I think a lot of people kind of don't realize is you know the fact that when you do pass on there's a deemed disposition that happens with your affairs and that that generates all kinds of different repercussions and I know that like I have conversations with people who like already own buildings, and they don't fully understand this. So I wonder if you could maybe just like walk us through that, that people understand maybe like, you know, that there's a capital gains implication and like what all those, what happens really, like from a legal point of view, what happens to your portfolio when you're no longer there? Well,
0: well, everybody's in a different situation, but I'll make it simple in terms of, that's why I say you need to, as you're doing the estate planning, it's one thing to do you know, these online wills, but if you've got real estate investments, you need to now sit down with your accountant and do a what-if scenario. If I was to die, based on the, you know, did I trigger capital gains back in? I think it's uh, in '76. Did it? You know, has there been? What's been the capital gains that deems disposition? What What would happen if I was to die tomorrow? Because it's seen as deemed disposition. So, say you passed away on Wednesday, it's understood is if you sold everything on the Tuesday and there's the taxes to pay. So that's why you would do some, run some scenarios with the accountant and say, okay, fine. If I was to leave the building to my children, what's the capital gain impact? What if? And then you might find out that, you know what, to cover that capital gain, are you going to have them try and find the money to pay that capital gain? Or Maybe makes some sense to take out a life insurance policy that you would name the estate so when the cash is paid, it'll cover the taxes. So because we're talking about real estate investing, it can be a little bit more complex because now there's a lot of taxes involved and it depends on what your wishes are going forward. Do you want them just to pay the taxes, what's left over, the res- residue from the building and, and just give the cash, scratch a check to the beneficiaries or do... You want the building to continue on, then, and we've got an idea of what the taxes are. Do I have enough life insurance or do I have other investments, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, which are going to cover those taxes? And that's going to take a little while longer. That's why I talk about in the book that you want to have an accountant that's going to take the time and explain it to the beneficiaries because, like I said, every estate is different and everybody's wishes of how they want the estate to be settled is different as well but the the focal point would be the taxes and the holdings that you have and what are the the taxes scenarios of what if something was to happen and what would it cost
2: yeah no and it's really important for people to be running these scenarios as um, Terry just said, a lot of people don't even realize that, and all the implications. Like as weird as this may seem, I actually found it's a fascinating conversation because it's not a topic we talk about often. So thank you very much for for, for sharing all of this. To to kind of circle back, I was going to take it in a slightly direction in the little time that we have left, but we keep talking about the will and the will, and I'll let you go into more details. But then I understand it's just a legal document drawn with the notary with major parts to define.
0: How the estate gets dealt with, split. And how, you, so on. how you'd want the assets to, and there's going to be different parts to the will. The, the, yes, there are going to be the assets, which could be investment properties, re- real estate. There could be a portion. If you're married, you'd want to have who you'd want is the uh, to look after the kids. Is is there going? Is there a need for a trust? Depending on how old the kids are, do you want to have some money put aside? for further education, if there's money put aside, if you were to pass away before they turn 16, 17, 18, you're not going to give a couple hundred grand to a 17-year-old. So you'd want to have stipulations of how you want the, the trust to be handled. Who would you want, because you've got the executor, but who would you want as the trustee of that trust? There's so many aspects to a will, but a qualified state lawyer or an, a notary will walk you through what you're going to need to to know and also bring up some thoughts. In the book, I've got a, a list of things that you should prepare that when you go to the lawyer or the notary that you should have ready so that they have a, a really good idea of your situation. Again, you might have the will, but you also have to take in consideration. Uh, I, I talk about in the book what I call the, the triangle of conflict. If you're an executor and you come across an estate that has one of these three areas, which we means there's no will, there's a second marriage, or there is brothers and sisters that don't get. You're both laughing. What are you laughing at?
2: So <laughs> that's just normal just right imagining. now. That's just normal. <laughs> like rebuild families, they don't always get along. There's poor planning. Like that's
0: just everyday life, right? Yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> okay. In your little, in your happy little world, let me give you the let me give you the reality here, Terry and Axel. Okay, let me tell you. It's all, all well and fine until I got a split an in inheritance with somebody. So it's not uncommon to say, you know what, we get along. At Christmas time, Aunt Louise brings her, her famous tortilla and apple pies, and we just laugh, and we have a good time, and in the summer, we get together. But let me tell you something. If the head of the household, somebody passes away, and there's a an estate, those people who you were sharing the tortilla and having them apple pies with, they're now looking at you differently because they know there's money coming to them and the family dynamics are going to change forever now the head of the household whether it's the mother or the father whoever the head of the household they need to have that conversation says you know what i want the family to continue on i want the family to to still prosper once we're gone so you can referee whatever the problems are now sure you all get along now because they're there once they're there not there it's going to change in my case parents have been gone for 10 years there's three of us since they've passed away only two of us have gotten together for the holidays and that's switched because of uh what happened to, with the estate so you need to figure out okay getting back to the question you said but what you know what's in the will you know is there a second marriage you know are you going to treat your stepkids different than your your first kids that's a conversation you're going to have to have with the stepkids and, the, and, and, your, and your biological kids. If you you don't get along with your brothers and sisters and there's an estate, then you need to figure out, okay, I got to make sure that we're all on the same page and make sure that we, maybe you can't stand them, but let's try and, you know, stomach each other until we settle the estate. And then I don't have to see you no more. And, you know, I don't even have to see you at Christmas. I'm good. But all of those things are going to make up the will. These are the things that you have to be cognizant of when you go sit down with the lawyer, the or the notary, and bring up those points. You don't want to, again, have a, a surprise for the executor saying, "Hey, I I never made an allowance for my stepkids, and I didn't leave them anything, and only left for my biological kids." Or your partner, who you've left behind, you're you've left everything to her or him, and they don't do anything for your, for your biological kids. And they only look after their kids. So all of these things, you got to have these conversations, all these things that you want to have, make reference to of how, what you would like inside the will.
1: Yeah. Does that uh, sound like fun? But I mean, it's, it's really great advice. And you know, like I, I actually, this is oddly enough, is a conversation that like I do have with, you know, either some of my clients or my colleagues, because I think a lot of them don't appreciate the importance of this topic. So I think it's really great. We're kind of just about out of time. Is there anything else that you would like to add, a last piece of advice or, or any closing words?
0: The only thing I would say is that is, as much as you're creating this legacy for people, it's not about what you leave them, it's how you leave them. So uh-huh. you want to make sure that you leave them in a situation where they're not, we're going to miss you, but you don't want what happened because of what you didn't do breaks up the family. So now have the conversations and, and think about, OK, I want to make sure that I leave a legacy and not a legacy in a mess. I need to have a will. I need to update it. A lot of times people say, well, how often should I update it? As much as your family situation might change or every two to three years, revisit it. Maybe you've added more real estate to your uh, portfolio, you know, since uh, two years ago. Maybe you had two buildings. Now you got four buildings but it has, it's not mentioned in the, the will. So the important thing is to, to have a will, pick an executor that you feel can take on the job, have that conversation, say, will you do this big favor for me? And then also have the conversation with, with the family of if, if something unexpected was to happen, this is how I would like things to go. And don't put it in a situation where you you don't say anything to anybody and you just let the paperwork do the talking when you're gone. Cause then mm-hmm. you're just leaving a mess.
2: Yeah. That could be really dangerous for anyone who's uh, listening today. Where can they find out more about you on this wonderful topic?
0: Well, I don't know if it's wonderful, but thanks anyway, Axel, just go to my website, davided.com. on there. We've got resources, free downloads of checklists for uh, what it takes to be an executor. You know, it's something you could print off, put in along with your will. So that make it easier on the executor. I've got a quiz on there. What kind of family are you? So you can see, you know, what you need to do in terms of it's a it's a 10 question uh, questionnaire and it gives you the answers of what kind of family are you? The one you the type of family that avoids the subject type of family that's going to do some things, but you haven't done enough or you're the type of family who's uh, well prepared. And there you can also buy my book. You can buy it in whatever form makes you happy. You can have it digitally. You can have it audio or you can have paperback. All right.
1: Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to educate our listeners on this topic.
0: Thank you very much. You can have back anytime because I know how sexy and exciting this was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.